Good job, tech team, rocking it out. Um, today we're starting a, 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 a new sermon series, and we're going to be um, doing this for the next few weeks. We're calling it Lifeboat for Life, and um, we're looking at God's lifeboat, um, God's lifeboat for for humanity, God's lifeboat for for you and I. And um, so we're going to be looking a little bit at lifeboats for the next few weeks. And I've asked uh, Emilio um, to join me. He's grabbing a microphone, but he's going to join me and help preach along along next to me. And uh, yeah, so uh, you can give Emilio a hand. He's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, first of all, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. And this is our founding passage for Lifeboat um, sermon series. Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Uh, for, the, for those of you that don't know, Acts chapter 2 is, is one of the more famous passages in the book of Acts. And it's a, it's a passage where the Holy Spirit comes down and just fills 120 people who are in the upper room waiting for his spirit. So Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died a sinner's death. He rose again on the third day. And he told his disciples, he said, go and wait for me. Wait, wait for the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem for me to send the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples waited with 120 uh, folks in one room, praying, seeking God, seeking the Holy Spirit. And, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell in that room. I mean, it just would have been an awesome sight, right? Like, like a rushing wind comes blasting through the doors. Um, tongues of fire hovered over everybody's head. And they began speaking in tongues. And so I don't know, I don't know what, your, what your belief system is on tongues, but... Um, there are different, there are different, scripture provides different definitions of speaking in tongues. This particular instance, they were speaking in languages that were actual languages, like, you know, like Chinese, Mandarin, or, or Russian, or whatever. They, but they just didn't know it. And so they're, 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 they're just speaking in these other languages that they don't even know. And people are at Jerusalem from all over the world, and they begin hearing the gospel in their, in their language. And they're like, what, what? And so a crowd begins gathering. Like, so obviously they were a little bit loud because <laughs> they're in the house. They were, they were Pentecostal. Um, and they were a little bit loud, you know. They got a little bit, little bit noisy, a little boisterous. And, and folks are walking around outside and they're like, what? <laughs> this is like, and so, and so the crowd gathers around this house and Peter comes out. He was the bold, like the bold disciple who he's, he's ready to preach, right? And so Peter preaches this sermon about how Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And, and he finishes his sermon, right? With, with this, um, this passage right here, Acts chapter two, verse 40. It says, and with many other words, because he's a preacher, he, he added many other words. Come on, somebody. Uh, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. That was his altar call. Many other words, talking about Jesus, but he ends it with this. He says, Be saved from this perverse generation. Not exactly... You're, it's not really a K-Love sermon, obviously. You're not going to hear positive, encouraging. Be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, this is what many call the founding of the church. It's like the beginning of the church because these were just disciples following Jesus. Now they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches one sermon, says, be saved from this perverse generation, and 3,000 people, as we would say, get saved. 
Um, but I, I love the way that the Holy Spirit interprets it. It doesn't say that they got saved. It doesn't say that they made personal decisions for Jesus Christ. It, 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 it doesn't say that they received Jesus. All of those things are true. But it says that they were added to them. To who? To the 120, to the church. So I find it, I find it so fascinating the first sermon ever preached in a Christian environment, in a spirit-filled environment, ended with these words, be saved from a perverse generation. I do like the way that the message um, paraphrase puts it. And I, I think I mocked the message Bible last week, so I'm making up for that. Um, it says, uh, I, I think I have that slide there for you to see. It says that he went on like in this vein for a long time, because he's a preacher, uh, urging them over and over. And this is what he says, get out while you can. <laughs> Get out of this sick and stupid culture. <laughs> I love that. Uh, once again, you're probably not going to hear that. I'm positive and encouraging, Caleb. But this is the message of Peter. He says, get out of this sick and stupid culture. And so they get out of that sick and stupid. I love it. The sick and, they get out of the sick and stupid culture. And the Holy Spirit says that about 3,000 of them didn't just get out of a sick and stupid culture, they were added to a different culture. So here's, here's the fundamental truth that we're gonna be talking about today. If you want to make this walk with Jesus last, if you wanna make this count, if you're really serious about this, it's not enough that you step out of a sick and stupid culture. It's good, it's good, you should. Uh, when you decide to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave some friends behind. You're going to have to leave some parties behind. You're going to have to leave some things behind. You're going to have to get out of a sick and stupid culture. Uh, and, and I think that's very relevant to today. But at the same time, you don't just step out of a sick and stupid culture. You have to step into a life-giving culture. Many people want out of the sick and stupid culture. But they are never added to the church. They never become a part of a new culture. They just try to get out of all cultures, right? And this is not what God has for you. God wants you to step into a lifeboat. A lifeboat. So, so, so we're going to be talking about a lifeboat. You're going to be seated, Emilio. But we're going to be talking about a, a lifeboat. And um, I, was reading, I was reading to my kids this week uh, about, about uh, what is, it, is the Magic, Magic Treehouse, the Magic Treehouse books. Um, it's kind of like history plus sort of adventure for the kids. So it's like a bedtime stories that we read. And we were reading uh, the, the Magic Treehouse is Jack and Annie, I think. They go back in time to see different uh, events. And so Jack and, and Annie went back in time to the Titanic. They were on the Titanic, and I thought, well, this is wonderful bedtime reading. Let's, let's read about how, like, 1,100 people die, you know. Anyway, so Jack and they, they, they go back. And so there's this, part, there's this part of the chapter I was reading the kids, and, and, it, and it really is historically accurate, that initially uh, when, 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 when the Titanic struck the, uh, the, 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 the giant iceberg and, and was irreparably damaged underneath, um, they, uh, they, they, they immediately began closing off those, those sectors. And so right away, several people were just doomed like to death. Several of the lower cabin people were, were doomed. But the point was it was going to keep the, it would try to keep the Titanic from sinking too fast. And immediately the staff began uh, trying to get people off of the Titanic onto a lifeboat. And they, they had a, a lot of trouble with this initially. They had a, a hard time. In fact, uh, like half of the lifeboats were only 50% full. 
And uh, there, there are many reports as to why that is. Uh, the most common one is that they just had a hard time convincing people initially, convincing people to get off of the Titanic and get into a lifeboat. And uh, it was quoted, one guy said, I think we're a lot safer on this big boat than we are that little rickety, that little rickety boat. Because you're going out into the ocean. It's, you know, freezing cold water. It's the middle of, 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 of April, out in the middle of the Atlantic, uh, 1912. I mean, it's, it's dangerous. You're getting in this teeny little boat with a whole bunch of people that you don't know. And, and you're, you're just going to what? You're just going to row your way to shore or something? I mean, what exactly? How is this going to save us? And, and initially, when you couldn't see the damage at the Titanic, you're on this huge cruise ship. And you're like, why am I going to get on this lifeboat? And I feel like, as I was reading that to my kids, I was like, man, this is pretty much what preaching is. <laughs> this is what preaching is, trying to convince people to get off of this luxury cruise liner and step into this rickety little boat that's being lowered down to the side. And people are like, ah, I, 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 I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, 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 I'm cool, I'm, I'm, I'm hey, I don't need that. But what they don't realize is that the Titanic is sinking. They don't realize that this world has been irrevocably damaged by sin. They don't realize that, 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 that the water is coming in even as we speak. The seeds of our destruction, whether it's political or personal, is already in the mix. Sin is already here. And this sick and stupid culture <laughs> is going down. It doesn't look like it though. All the lights are on, people are still having cocktails and singing, it's all cool. But, but, but Peter says, look, look, get off of this Titanic. Like seriously, get into this lifeboat. You're safer in a lifeboat than you are in the Titanic. And so that's, that's what we're gonna be talking about, the lifeboat, um, God's lifeboat. And for us, we really believe that is the church. And the church is not what happens on Sunday morning. The church is us throughout the week. And so we're launching here in a few weeks, we're launching small groups, which is basically the church meeting in different homes. It's basically different lifeboats. And I find it interesting. We have about 20 small groups, and there were 20 lifeboats on the Titanic. I don't know if that's something I'm just saying. But anyway, you know, and so we see these, these, these small groups as little lifeboats. This is the lifeline that's going to that's gonna save you from a sick and stupid culture. This is the kind of culture you need to step into not just try to you know, jump off of the Titanic. And so, um, uh, so I've, I've, I've asked Emilio to share with me because he's one of our small group leaders. He's leading one of our larger small groups, actually, our young adult small group. So would you just share a little bit about that small group and then we'll start, we'll start preaching a little bit. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, our young adult small group, we, uh, we have a couple small groups ranging from South Austin to San Marcos. And um, we are just so passionate about um, young adults and not just students in colleges, but uh, it's just an age where uh, people are, are extremely vulnerable and they're extremely um, at, at a crossroads a lot of times leaving high school or, or going into stepping into a new season, whether it be work or, or college or the military or all these different things. Um, parents are making them make decisions and, and universities are making them make decisions. And, and it's, a, it's a time where you can feel really stretched and really pulled. And so we feel our heart is to uh, bring these small groups for hope, for love, and for peace because there's a lot of everything except peace in universities and in, yeah. the, in, in the, the, the culture of this age. So we're, we're, we target three things. We target our city, we target communities, and we target campuses. And we feel that if we can target those three things, then we mm. can make a positive impact in the life 
of you know 18 to 30 30 year olds in, in the community yeah and tell them about what you did just yesterday yeah so just yesterday uh, we took a team um, and we went down to San Marcos Texas uh, Texas State University it was their move-in day and for about four hours or so we we attempted to help students move back into their dorms we handed out some types of school supplies uh, uh, spirals with stickers and, and yeah and we just got to love on them you know and and um, and it was such a such an amazing time. I think our team really enjoyed it. We met so many people, met, uh, made great connections, and just saw how willing people were to just um, just have have help, make friends, and and be excited uh, to just be a part of something. So it's yeah, cool. We had a good time yesterday. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And a big a big part of the young adult um, small group, young adult ministry. Um, is found in Mark chapter 2 and so when I attended his small group back in February he was talking about it um, I, I, I had two weeks of, of, of no family like Roe left me and abandoned me to go to New Zealand um, and left me here and so I, I adopted a new culture I jumped into I, I was jumping into like every lifeboat you know like hey how are you doing guys awesome I'll go here. so I jumped into their lifeboat for, for for an evening and he spoke on this so I would like for us to spend the remaining uh, a few minutes here I'm just looking at Mark chapter 2 in a passage that really brings a lot of focus to the young adult ministry um, as to why why young adult ministry why do why do we exist what are we doing and um, so if you'd like to go ahead and uh, yeah, read that of course, we have, if you have it up your Bible, you can open too. up to Mark chapter 2, or it's going to be here on the screen. I'm going to take a second really quick. I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but I just really want to take a second and honor our pastors. It's always an honor and a privilege just to be sitting alongside Pastor Harry. And if this doesn't happen here often uh, where someone publicly honors Pastor Harry and Pastor Rowena, but they have done so much, and they are so willing to give, and everything is always well with their soul. And yeah, is anybody thankful that you have pastors that are excited and, and so willing? And, and I know a lot of you say, I know a lot of you say that, that, that it is, it's easy to be giving and, and thankful when you're pastors, but in the midst of what they're going through and they're building a home and working on ranches, and if it drizzles, we're wondering if stuff's going to flood. Like, that's just the reality right now. But we are so honored and, and so thankful for both of you. And I just want to take time to say that. So. Thanks. Of course. Mark chapter 2. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, say hold on. Mark chapter 2. All right. Okay, starting in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 12. We'll get through this, I promise. <clears throat> and again, he entered Capernaum, that's Jesus, after some days. And it was heard that he, again, Jesus, was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could no longer come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broke through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, arise, or so, excuse me, son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. I got it. Thank you. And some of the scribes, a.k.a. the haters, were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Verse 8. But immediately when Jesus perceived this in his spirit, he reasoned to them, a.k.a. he read their minds, and said to them, Why do you reason these things in your heart? Verse 9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? Verse 10. But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. And Jesus said to the paralytic, I say to you, 
Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Can we pray? Yeah, let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. We ask that you bless this time that we have together. Uh, we ask that, that you just take words and make them seeds and drop them into the hearts of people. Holy Spirit, show us a fresh and a new. Reveal to us, Jesus. Do what only you can do. A new side of freshness and a comforting. Let words be words that are needed to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen, amen and amen. Hey guys, well, I don't know if you know much about me, but uh, I'm kind of like a big movie buff. Um, I love movies. I love watching movies. Um, I, I, but I geek out on movies. I, I don't even know just like, I don't watch a movie just because it's like, oh, that looks really good, you know? Like, let's, let's go have a cinematic adventure because the movie looks. No, like me, it's like, I like directors and I like actors and I like to know who executive produced it and who was in charge of, of doing music behind the movie and so many things. I get so into movies. And that's why it's really easy for me when I read the Gospels to, to view the Gospels as if it's like four cinematic directors are given license to tell the same story, but they're given the creative freedom to tell it in their own way, right? And, and that's why I'm fascinated. I love the Bible, and, and we both love the Bible, but I got to tell you, Pastor Eric, I have a favorite literary genre when it comes to the Bible, okay? My favorite literary genre is probably the Gospels. Okay, Matthew, Mark, okay. Luke, and John. To you, they're probably just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. To me, they're close personal friends. I call them Matt, Marky, Mark, Uncle Luke, and Lil John. Okay, we have a really great time together when we jump in the Word. Okay? Yeah, That's we just, do not have yeah. that relationship. <laughs> okay. Is that in the original text? Is that in the Greek? Is that yeah, how yeah that I works? think so. I think that's how it works. Have to look that up. That's the... Okay, we won't go. Anyways. We have a really great time when we get together, and, and, and I just want to tell you a little bit about each director, if you don't mind. So, so Matthew, uh, Matthew was, was in there, and, and if you open Matthew, you're going to see a long, I can't say that word, genealogical, did I say that right? Okay, he's no. laughing, that means it's not Genealogy. right. Genealogy. There you go. Genealogy. You see, you see a long line of genealogy, right? I, this is how I'll say it. Since I can't say that word, it's baby daddy after baby daddy after baby daddy. It's like a bad episode of Maury Povich, right? That's just kind of how it is. Then you go on and you have Luke. Too far? I'll get in trouble for that one later. <laughs> then you have Luke, right? And Luke was a physician. So Luke goes into detail, and he begins to describe how all the wonderful things Jesus is doing and how he did things that modern medicine could not do at the mm. time. Then you have John. John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. He's the one found at the foot of Jesus at the cross mm. and with his head on the breastplate of Jesus. He's, he's kind of more, more like just soft and lovely. Like if you like the movie Dear John, go read John, right? That's kind of how it is. Wow. No? no? Still no? No. No. We're moving along. Mark is my favorite, and that's why we're cracking open the book of Mark today, okay? Mark is the original uh, Grinch, okay? Because he just skips Christmas. He skips the birth. There's no yes, baby Jesus. True. He's true. just full-grown Jesus with hair on his chest, smelling like Old Spice, kicking down doors. Before there was a Russell Crowe riding Gladiator, or before there was a Brad Pitt, my twin, hello, in any movie, Whoa. there was a King Jesus. Oh, come on. <laughs> Where's my hand? I need a hanky to throw. I'm, mm. uh, I'm getting out of hand. I'm getting out of hand. There was a King Jesus who was Lord of Lords and yeah. King of Kings doing what he did. Mm. And that's why I'm so glad that Marky Mark is our director today. He is. And, and Marky Mark writes this story and he begins to break down things in such a beautiful way with just this small story mm. of Jesus sitting in the house. And we catch up in, in chapter 2, verse 1. 
And it says, again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and he was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room. I believe this is a direct picture of what our small group should look like. Jesus comes and Jesus rests mm -hmm. in a house, yeah. right? Jesus Amen. comes and Jesus Amen. rests in a house because, and, and the Bible says that when he rested in his house, so many gathered that there was no longer room to receive him. Mm -hmm. And it's because people knew, Pastor Harry, that if Jesus comes somewhere and Jesus begins to rest in a house, that mm -hmm. something amazing can happen, that there's gonna be life change and there's gonna be yeah. something extraordinary. Okay, you don't believe me? Why are you here today? Hello, right? On, it's like, why are we here today? It's because we know that if we can get into a place where Jesus mm. can rest into a house, many will gather because something extraordinary will happen. Mm. After that, it goes directly and it says that he began mm. to preach the word to them. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating to me that the, the way it chronologically it happens. First, he sits and rests. People gather. Then he preaches. Mm. So it was before, from my understanding, he was ever preaching, people were gathering. Right. Yeah. And it's fascinating the fact that Jesus preaches and that gets me excited. You know why I come up here and even though I'm sitting down, I'm bouncing around and preaching like I had six Red Bulls this morning. You can stand up. If because you want I had six Red Bulls this morning. I'm just kidding. I did not. It's because when I get to heaven, Pastor Harry, nobody wants to hear me preach. Right. Yeah. It's like I can put my podcast to the side because when we get to heaven, only people want to hear preachers. Jesus. Right. Jesus is going to share his word. He's going to share himself. So Jesus is in this house and he's preaching the word to them. That's Which amazing when the word preaches the word when the word <laughs> preaches the word that's right and it's Man. it's like this jesus could have preached the word like this and we would have got saved ready this is how jesus could have preached that's good all by itself right there the word. jesus preaching himself i mean jesus has more revelation in his big toe than i can ever articulate to you with all my words and anything that yeah. i could ever do so so jesus is there hmm. and he's preaching the word to them right and then it's like marky mark cut scene he goes from jesus preaching and he cuts scene and he flashes to five guys. He flashes to five guys, we don't know their name. We don't know how far they've come. We don't know their terrain or what the weather's been like. We know that four of them are walking and one of them is a paralytic. This is the first introduction of our co-stars of this story. The Bible's not really clear on if it was hot, cold, rainy. We don't know if they had a carriage or, or if, if they all kind of carried this guy like the Ark of the Covenant, or if one guy threw him over his shoulder until he had physical exhaustion, he would fall to the ground. Someone else would pick him up, and they would continue their journey. We don't know. All we know is that they finally gotten kind of close to Jesus, that they finally gotten kind of close to Jesus. And, and, and they get to where Jesus is, and the Bible says that they cannot reach him because the crowd is there. The crowd is there and the crowd is blocking. Uh, I remember one time you shared with me a little bit about your thoughts on the crowd and what the crowd represented in that story. Um, you were, I'm you were sure cool. it was awesome. It was awesome, yeah. I, I it was remember. awesome. No, <laughs> the crowd was there, and, and the crowd did not let them go. And I put myself here in the place of the paralytic, thinking what would it have been like to maybe kind of have to put my pride aside to let four guys carry me however far they carried me. And to not be so close to Jesus and, and there's a possibility that I can't get in his presence. And I put myself there and I think of four friends that I have, right? And the first friend, his name is Travis. And Travis is kind of this whimsical guy. He's, he's, he's just, he's out there, right? He's just like, 
he's a musician, and he's very free, and he's always like, bro, how's it going? Every time I see him, that's like the one line Travis is going to hit me with, bro, how's it going? And I can just see Travis like, don't worry, we're going to ask these people if they could just crowd surf you all the way to Jesus. It's going to work. There's no problem. It's going to work. We'll take care of it. Then I have another buddy named Ryan, right? And Ryan's more analytical, and he's kind of like structured. And Ryan's going to say, Travis, that's never going to work. There's no way this is going to happen. What we need to do is just kindly ask people if we can just walk up. They'll show me we have a paralyzed guy. Maybe they'll sympathize with us. And they'll let us write to Jesus, right? My third friend, is his name's Estefan. And Estefan's kind of different. And Estefan's like, we just need to pack up and go home. I just came because I heard there was free food. And this doesn't look like it's going to work. So this is not going to work, right? But my fourth friend... His name's Dylan. Some of you may or may not know Dylan, but, but my fourth friend's name Dylan. And Dylan's the kind of guy that's like, bro, I got you. Like, those are words that I can hear coming out of Dylan's mouth. I got you, bro. But Don't he's always going to go, first, I got you. <laughs> yeah, that's how so it goes. Like, <laughs> I got you. I got you. And everyone's like, what is Dylan talking about? And, and then it's like, where, where did Dylan go? And, and next thing you know, Dylan's on the roof, right? He's on the roof of this house. And it's like, oh my gosh, get somebody get to get that boy, right? And so finally we, we all make it up. And, and, and before you know it, Dylan's, he's tearing open this roof on top. And Marky Mark cut scenes again. And we're back with, the, we're back with Jesus. I would, just, I would just say that those yeah. friends, I mean, that is a small group. The people he's describing are in, uh, I, I, I know Dylan's in the young adult small group. Maybe the other ones didn't make the cut, but um, <laughs> we only want roof terror-uppers. Um, but that, that is what we're talking about when we're talking about a lifeboat. Like, this is a lifeboat for this paralyzed man. He has these four friends. That's what's carrying him to Jesus. There are some, some places you're never going to get by yourself. There's some places you're not going to be able to get by yourself because you don't have the resources. You don't have the strength. You don't have the ability. If you did, you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in. And so the way to get out of that situation, the way to get out of this, this, this paralyzed situation is not to try harder, is not to be smarter, is not to get more independent, but often to have the humility, as, as Emilio said, to allow other people to pick you up and carry you. There's some places you're never going to get on your own, but if you will allow people to carry you in your place of weakness, to speak to you in your place of weakness, even just, even just, just, just last week, like, like, like me and T-Bear met with, met with a guy here in the church and just, just meeting with him, uh, helping to, to carry him, helping to encourage him. That's what we are here for. We're not a concert to come to on Sunday morning. We are people who, who are looking for an area of weakness that we can help carry you. We're not going to judge you because you're paralyzed. We're going to pick up a corner of your bed and say, let's get you to the one who can heal you, who can fix you, who can change you, can renew you. So that's what small groups are. Small groups are a place, whether, whether we have a young adult small group where there's teaching involved, or whether we have, you know, like the, the, uh, the Eddie and Priscilla's group where they just play games. Um, we always take a moment, one, to invite the presence of Jesus into that room, and two, to allow the word of Jesus to speak to us because the point of all of it is that in our areas of paralyzation, which you have some, <laughs> don't tell me you're perfect in your area of you're gonna need somebody to carry you you're gonna need somebody uh, I was and, and it's amazing how what Satan will try to do what our enemy will try to do is keep us isolated and keep us alone and then we, we cannot fix ourselves we cannot get to Jesus we need 
We need people to carry us. And those four people uh, are all different, obviously, but, um, but all of them play a role. All of them play a part in bringing us to where we need to be. Yeah, yeah. I believe that fully. And, and those four friends, so, so Mark seems to cut scene here, back to Jesus, back to the feet of Jesus, who is preaching the word, I should remind you, right? All of a sudden, debris starts falling from the ceiling while he's preaching the word, yeah. right? They're in a small house like this. Like, imagine Pastor Harry up here preaching the word, right? And all of a sudden, this ceiling starts coming down, right? And, 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 and historians believe this is Peter's house. And you know, that's not really that big of a deal. But, but I just want to let you know, Peter was kind of crazy, right? Like, Peter will cut you. Like, literally, he'll cut you. He might even cuss you out. Like, I don't know. If he's in Austin traffic, we don't want to see Peter, right? Can I get an amen? No, just me. Okay. So Peter's crazy. All of a sudden, debris starts coming. And Peter's like, what? And then Jesus is like, Peter, watch your mouth. Like, I'm the son of God. I will build you a new roof, Peter. Like, don't worry, okay? And he's like, no, they need to put some respect on my house, Jesus. They need to put some respect. Are we finished or are we through? Okay, only like two people know what I'm talking about. That's okay. So he's really upset. He, he, he shuts them down. All of a sudden, there's a hole there. A hole starts. Hands start coming through this hole, right? Body part. It's like a scene from Thriller at the end of Michael Jackson's, like, they're hiding. Okay, anyways. So, so he's trying to come in, and, and he's getting there. All of a sudden, a hole comes, and it's open. And then Marky Mark just cuts again, and they're all at the feet of Jesus. We don't know if, like, one guy jumped down and was like, okay, watch his head. Like, we got him. Or if they're like, eh, you're not going to feel this anyway. And kind of just thought, like, we don't know what... <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what happens they, they don't tell us we just get a cutscene back to the feet of Jesus we get a cutscene back to the feet of Jesus Jesus looks at him and I find it fascinating that he says because of your faith and, he, and, I, and it makes it seem their faith, yeah. like it was the people who carried him yeah. Yeah. it was their faith and he says because of their faith your sins are forgiven mm. Ooh, that's good that's good all by itself right there. We could, you could probably preach that for the next couple of days. I know you, but, but <laughs> moving on, right? We're, we only have so much time. Because of their faith, because of their small group's faith. Yeah. Because of the people who carried him, because of the people he surrounded himself with, because the people he put his pride aside with and said, this is uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but, but another man's going to carry me for many miles. Because of their faith, he was made whole. And, th and that is so good. But if you put your place in the... In the place of the paralytic, you put yourself in the place of the paralytic. I think, I think a little bit, something a little bit different went through his head. And he's like, Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, oh, that's good. But the paralytic's like, uh, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> what about my legs? <laughs> I came here so that I could moonwalk my way on out of here, right? I got a wedding to go to next week. And when they do the bunny hop and say, one hop this time, uh, I want to one hop this time, right? Like, this is the, the reality of the paralytic. Mm. I didn't come from my sins. I came from my legs. I want to walk my way on out of here. And then we see another cutscene. And Jesus goes to talk to the Pharisees because they begin to think things in their heart. But I believe that something happened in the man laying there at the feet of Jesus. And he found himself in this very interesting place where he had an expectation. I'm going to get my legs healed. His situation was I'm here with Jesus, my legs aren't healed. But I dare to submit to you today, if you ever find yourself in a place where your situation doesn't meet your expectation, it's because God is trying to set you up for a revelation of who he is or what he can do. Yeah. yeah. Who he is and what he can do. Okay, if you don't believe me, I'll give you one more example. <clears throat> we find ourselves in the gospel, the very end of the gospel, the story, you know, uh, I'll kind of give up how the movie ends. 
Jesus dies and then comes back again, right? So we're right now with the disciples. Jesus has just been crucified. He's in the tomb. The disciples are all sitting together. The Bible makes it clear and known that after this has all happened, they kind of reconvene. They all come back together, and they're sitting there, and it's like, it doesn't give us too much detail what's happening, but I can only imagine John's probably like listening to Carrie Job crying because John cries all the time. And, and Peter's probably like has a punching bag somewhere and he's just like getting his anger out. He's just like, I'm so angry, right? He's just like, they're like, John, you've ruined three punching bags already. Or excuse me, Peter, you've ruined three punching bags. Like, and they're all just in their emotion. Like, and, and Judas isn't there. We don't need to get into that. Okay, anyways, moving on. And, and there's so much going on. He's a skipper. Yeah. Eh. That story doesn't end well. <laughs> okay. And they're all there. And all of a sudden, these two guys knock on the door. Boom, 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 boom. And Peter's like, who's out there knocking like, you know, crazy? You're knocking crazy. Stop knocking crazy. And they open the door, right? And up until this point, the disciples have put all their faith that Jesus is the Messiah. Their expectation is that Jesus is going to be ruler of all, king of all. He's going to conquer everything, right? That he's just going to have dominion, and we're all going to live this out together. We're going to be happy because us 12 made the decision to follow Jesus. We're going to be at the tilltop right? We're going to be the city set on a hill. We're going to be the guys who make it, right? I'm going to be the real MVP. That's what the disciples are thinking. That's their expectation. Their situation is that Jesus has been crucified and now is buried, and they're all frantic. Are they coming for us next? Am I the next to be crucified? They're going to, they have to kill us. That's why John, uh, P- Peter's doing curls. He's like, I'm not going down without a fight, right? I'm going to take these people on. It's like, Peter, put away the war paint, man. Like, we got to get running. We can't take on these people. And these guys knock on the door and say, we just saw Jesus. We just saw Jesus. We just saw Jesus. And I can just imagine they're like, get real. Like, come on. Put all this phoniness aside. He's dead. This is the reality. We got to figure out a plan to stay alive. We got to take care of me, take care of us. This is our situation. I know we expect it, but this is our situation. Let's not get unfocused. And in the midst of that conversation, Jesus appears to them. Jesus comes in that room. And Jesus shows him his hands. He says, look, I'm real. He eats, he drinks. He says, because they thought he was a ghost. They said, there's no way it's real. This must be a ghost. He eats, he partakes. And, and he says, no, this is really me. Their situation was that they were scared. Their expectation was that they would be with Jesus forever. But the revelation that they got is that Jesus had to die and conquer death, hell, and the grave so that they could live a life that Jesus had been preaching to them all along. See, they saw death as the problem, but death was just an opportunity for for the gospel to be fulfilled. Like, they saw death as something that was going to come down and ruin all their plans, but death was a part of plan all along. Like, it was never, like, a surprise to Jesus. Like, Jesus didn't come and was like, whoa, really didn't see that one coming, guys, but I'm glad I could get raised from the dead. He was like, no, this right here, the fact that I'm showing up to you is what is going to free people and is what is going to make people uh, uh, become one with the Father, because up until that point, a lot of people had been crucified, but none of them had been raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When their expectation and their situation didn't line up, they got a revelation of who Jesus was and what he could do. Yeah, Amen. yeah and, that's where, and, and that's where all of our small groups, they deal with different things. Um, we have a small group, uh, a freedom small group, that deals with uh, uh, just personal freedom, freedom from addiction, freedom from bondages. Um, and, and oftentimes there is an expectation uh, that we come to God with. You know, marriage is falling apart, so I'm going to start going to church. And, um, and there's, a, there's a need there. There's a, there's, a, there's a physical need that drives us to God. Um, but Jesus is concerned with the spirit. Jesus is concerned with the soul. 
Ultimately, Jesus wants this guy to go to heaven. And that's ultimately what we want for each and every one of you. That's what, that's what we see. There are physical needs. We want to meet those physical needs, right? This week, uh, we delivered uh, about $1,100 worth of supplies to the teachers of Williams Elementary because we want to meet the physical needs. Uh, we got their wish list and need list from last spring, and uh, we filled up a bunch of bags and gave them to them because we want to meet physical needs. But there's a greater need that each and every one of us have, and that is a need of the soul. That is a sickness of the soul. There's a paralyzation of our spirits that is much greater. And Jesus recognizes this. And he's, he's yes, he's revealing himself, but he's also meeting the man's deepest need. He's also speaking to the root of the problem. And he solves the root, and then he deals with the tree. So uh, God, God is offering this to each and every one of us. There's always a root problem. If there's a physical issue, that's because there's a tree issue. It's because there's a root issue. And so uh, we have to be uh, able to allow Christ to work within us and work out that root issue. And um, for this man, his friends brings him, bring, bring him to Jesus. And I don't know if they were hoping he'd get saved. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what their expectation was. Um, but but uh, when, they, when they got him close to Jesus, this is what happened. Um, the unexpected happened. The unexplained happened. And that's what's been happening in our small groups. Um, we've been seeing the unexpected hand of God working within these lifeboats that it looks like just a dinky little lifeboat, looks like just another thing on your schedule. But I'm, I'm telling you, when you take time out to meet with the people of God, to meet with fellow Christians and commit to that and say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on mission with these people. I'm going to show up at Texas State and hand stuff out and help people move in. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to deliver stuff to the school. Whatever that small group is doing, we're going to serve with this group and we're going to live with this. We're going to eat some pizza come on somebody we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna fellowship and we're gonna pray with this group and we're gonna break um, bread we're gonna open up the word and and God is going to do what only God can do within that group and so as we get ready to start small groups I I want to make that invitation to you make that invitation to really pray about which group you should join like I said there's 20 of them and so um, we'll be handing handing stuff out next week about what groups there are that you can join and leaders you can contact and then we'll have a launch day where we'll have all the leaders out here they'll have tables and um, they'll 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 grab you and won't let you leave until you yeah. give them your social security number and um, because we really believe <laughs> that this is important. Yeah. We really believe that if you're going to get off the Titanic um, of this world's culture, you've got to step into this new culture that brings you, and your sickness and your paralyzation brings you to Jesus and allows Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. And so uh, let's just go ahead and have a time of prayer. We're going to pray over um, our students and our faculty today, and uh, then we're going to have a little Kona Ice and Jumpy Castle and stuff after service, but I want to I want to I want to give an opportunity to to anyone just right now, and you're needing that that spiritual healing, you're needing that you're needing that root issue taken care of. Let's close our eyes for just a moment and bow our heads, and um, I just want to give you that opportunity to respond in faith to God, to say that uh, Lord, I, I I do have a root issue, and I need you to do what nobody else can do. Um, if that's you today, would you just raise your hand and say that you, you need to respond to that and you need to make that your prayer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you might have been in church forever. <laughs> Going to church doesn't solve root issues. Only, only the presence and the, the person of Jesus Christ can do that. You can go ahead and just pray after me or pray in your own words, but if I were you, I would say this. I would say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to heal me on the inside. 
I submit my soul to you. Come and fill me with your presence. Come and wash away my sin. Forgive me for going my own way. I believe that you died and you were raised again so that you could make me new. And I commit myself to that process right now in Jesus' name. school school around here starts tomorrow 